0: Hobby addict It's time for Hobby Addict.
1: And now here are your anime addicts.
2: Guys, welcome to the 187th Hobby Addicts. We're here. We have so many hobbies. I mean, 187 episodes worth of hobbies. Wow. I am Mitsugi and I am joined by the usual fun bunch. We have the lovely Mandy calling in from Cincinnati. And how Hi. are you today?
0: I'm doing all right. I am a bit tired, but I'm. I'll try my best to make through. <laughs> Where's your
2: coffee?
0: Uh, no coffee right now. Maybe, maybe later. We'll see. I've got water right now.
2: And of course, we also have the infallible Mason, who is very proud of you for having your water.
1: I know he is. I am actually like doing fist bumps in the air. I'm like, fist oh, that's pumping. the power of H2O, my friend. G- <laughs> it Gatorade. Will <laughs> it will carry us to victory.
2: Water sucks. Gatorade is better. <laughs>
1: Such a classic. Yeah, Did I, uh, you actually hear that his new movie, uh, Adam Sandler's, that is, is supposed to be actually pretty solid?
2: Really? He actually yeah. has a... So, the last... So, I saw... I recently saw the Don't Mess With The Zohan, and that was pretty funny,
1: but... That was wild, yeah.
2: Other than that I don't one, know if I'd
1: say that was good, though.
2: I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was... I mean, it was dumb, but some of the comedy landed pretty well for me, but since then, it's just been a bunch of, like, one bad Netflix movie after another,
1: so... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, apparently, uh, the new film, it's called Uncut Gems that just came out, is actually really solid. Huh? Okay. Well, so, if you're a big Adam Sandler fan, check it out, I guess. Listen, he, he Anyway, makes, like, I'm happy to be here. It's been like forever since I've been on a hobby Addicts. it seems, so it's good one to more, be
2: back. One more quick note about Adam Sandler. I mean, he makes like $30 million every time he puts out a Netflix movie. They might as well not suck. I mean, I mean come on. Anyway, so guys, on Hobby Addicts today we have games, 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 and pain. So I'm going to be uh, yes. talking. Oh, uh, so true. Valkyria Chronicles Four. Mandy's going to be talking Children of Morta and Mortician's Tale, which I'm guessing are games. Yes.
0: Uh, one is a game. One I would not really call a game, but it's kind of an interesting little um, like uh, interactive thing. <laughs> I don't know what else to call thing.
2: it. We have yeah. a game, a game, an interactive thing, and a JLPT exam, Mason.
1: Yes, yes. Yes. Uh, how do you want to do this? you want to have a, a pain sandwich and just I mean, <laughs> yeah, slide let, that let, in the middle? Let's hear about your pain and suffering. I mean, oh, I want to well, hear about it. Oh, well, that's then a sandwich, but I guess I can go first then. <laughs> um,
2: we're going to put the meaty pain right on top.
1: Ah, uh, gotcha. It's one of those <laughs> next-level sandwiches. Um, so, yes, yeah, so last week, wow, it, feels like forever ago. The uh, the first of December, uh, I took the JLPT test in Chicago. I took the N four and I figured I'd just talk about how it went and Yes. All that good stuff. Tell me of your of your adventures. So I'm pretty lucky, honestly. Like my just kind of where I grew up, where home is for me, is like thirty minutes away from this test site, which is one of the bigger I mean, it's like the Midwest hub of where the JLPT is held. It's only held at certain sites once a year. So there were people who were coming from Minnesota, from Kentucky, like all over the Midwest to come here. So I definitely had a much easier time getting to the test site than people. So Um, so what
2: I'm I'm hearing you say is that you did not have to travel a hellish distance.
1: No, it was very convenient for me. I mean, I was already home for Thanksgiving, so it was just a couple days after that, so... It was easy. It was easy going in, except they said, like, oh, if you want to park, go to this specific parking garage and get a discount. And I'm like, yes, I'm all about that discount. Yeah, yeah, uh, and everyone I could not, loves a discount. You're going to go into I the test feeling. I could not find God. this parking garage. They gave, like, a specific number, and I just couldn't find it. So I just found some street parking for free. Oh. Uh, oh. So I got oh. an even better discount. I just had to walk a little while. But I don't think that sh- should surprise anybody. Um, so got in, well, found yeah, the parking.
2: I mean, you are like the master of walking. Did you not walk back from the from the Studio Ghibli Museum? as like, God, I don't know. Pretty Who the hell knows how many miles?
1: Not the whole way, but most of the way.
2: Oh, I see how it is. Okay, gotcha. now the I'm truth gonna, comes out.
1: I'm not going to take too much credit. Well, I okay. walked all the way to something, and I don't know. It's not like I walked from the Ghibli Museum to Ikebukuro, where we were staying.
2: Yeah, that would be like, what, 50 miles?
1: Probably, that would have taken... Like <laughs> <laughs> I would have taken half the night. Um, yeah. No, but yeah, it's yes. If you come on the Japan trip and you want to hang out with me for whatever reason, bring some good walking shoes. Yeah. But uh, anyway, yeah. anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um. So the test site was cool. It was at the Paul University, which is a college there, and each like floor of the building there were five levels conveniently, and there's five levels of the JLPT. So essentially besides a little give and take, each floor kind of had their own... Like, the first floor was the N1 people, which is the hardest. The second floor was the N2, all the way up to N5. So it was kind of like each floor had its own section of students. Each had about five to six, seven classrooms with 20 students each.
2: It's a damn anime. So, You're literally... It's one of those animes where... Yeah, like the, it where was like the the an ple- It's like the, the plebes or like the plebeian classes, you know, always trying to... Isn't there, isn't there an anime exactly like that? Or they're on like different it?
1: levels? It sounds like Bakuto Test or Bakuto something. Bakuto Test, I, I, yeah. I don't oh, think yeah. that's... It's it's essentially a hierarchy of... <laughs> you
0: mean you weeds. don't make avatars of, like, of yourselves in battle?
1: Oh, no. I wish we did. I <laughs> While wish taking did. tests? I, if we had to do actual battle, I would have done better at the JLPT than I did. Mm. <laughs> oh, no. But uh, No, it was fine. It was fun. And it was cool just seeing all these people who you know are in the same boat as you and when you really do the math there's hundreds of people if not like yeah definitely hundreds at this just one site alone so there's a little bit of solidarity in that but uh, obviously I was with the n4 group went up to uh fourth floor took the test there essentially and there's three sections there's like a um, like a vocabulary section, there's a grammar section and reading section. And mm-hmm. at the very end, the third part's a listening section. And there's a whole, you know, you have to get a total score on the test to pass, but you also need to pass each section with a certain score. Right. And that's where I'm not looking too good. So I'm not going to, I don't have the results yet. I don't get them for like a month or two. Um. Yeah. So, uh, the first two sections went pretty well for me. Uh, that's a lot of the reading, a lot of the just you know knowing kanji, knowing this and that, which I've been studying. That's what I've been working towards. But I haven't been studying to the JLPT test. I've just kind of been doing whatever I found most interesting to try to read Japanese.
2: So did you crush the kanji section?
1: Oh, yeah. The kanji section was was a joke. That was the one thing in my life that I've been confident on. Uh, unfortunately, the <laughs> kanji section wasn't 80% of the test. It was no. maybe 5%. So I got a solid 5% at least, people. You can quote me on that. Book it. Um, yeah, but, mark it up. But essentially, when we got to the listening section, they have this like boombox in the front of the room, and they play a CD, and they do some like test listens at the beginning to make sure everyone can hear it, it's the right volume. And the listening is by far the section that I was the most concerned about. I was like, I've put the least amount of practice into it. I just don't put forth the time to learn it. So I was like, I need to really buckle down and focus and squeeze every little bit I can out of this last like 35 minutes of the test. Because they do it at the very end when everyone's kind of like starting to get tired and worn down. So you really got to pay attention. And it started off okay the first couple questions were i was iffy on and then all of a sudden the cd on almost every other question starts either skipping or just like being silent and like cutting out and everyone in the room is just looking around like this isn't right this this is is wild and like they would be asking a question and just immediately mid-sentence and then resume later as if they hadn't missed anything. it was like, wait, what? This is not how this is not how it should go. And the the proctors were like gathering at the front and kind of huh. like discuss discussing like oh, what do we do? Like there probably how- is still like enough to get a concept of what's going on, but how it are threw you supposed to
2: take a listening section when you can't listen? <laughs> this is what I always I don't I know. wanna know.
1: I don't know. And it was like I'm sure if you listen, because your ability of listening is much harder than me. You'd be like, well, I'm well, still getting yeah. enough context clues. I'm still getting parts here and there. Like it'd probably be fine, but it was just enough to like distract me and like throw me off my game. And I'm a fragile baby boy. And I was getting all flustered. And there was like a couple questions that I just completely Fratid, skipped. Man. I'm like, I'm, I'm just going to not listen to this one so I can try to like regroup myself and refocus for the next one. And, I don't know. It just, it didn't go swell, but it doesn't sound like it was very fair. True. But I honestly think, you know, had I, had I listened more, done more listening practice, I would have been able to shake it off. So there's still a chance, you know, I still might get lucky, but it, it was, it wasn't a great experience because of that. But overall, I'm super glad I took the test. Just kind of the push for studying that it gave me the, uh, so just the, the experience was fun. And I don't know. I think l- learning a language in general on your own terms, at your own pace, c- can be enjoyable. And I will probably still continue to uh, study for for next year, either doing a, a three or a the N4 again, depending on how these well, results go.
2: Well, listen, I failed the N4 the first time I took it. And then I took it again and I passed it the second time. So, you know, it's not the end of the world if you don't pass it, so.
1: Exactly, and it's not yeah. like the N4 really gets you anything. There's no. no there's no company that's like, oh, he's an N4, that means he's capable. No. It, it means nothing. It's just kind of to mark your own progress. Yeah. Um. There was quite a lot of people on the Discord who also took the JLPT with me, and we were kind of discussing it afterwards and kind of all in a very similar boat of our futures aren't riding on this right now. So we were able to kind of you're like, you know what? It is what it is, it was what it was, and overall, it was an interesting experience. Yeah, so, I mean,
2: I was always told that if you're trying to get a job in Japan or something, that unless you have at least N2, then you mm-hmm. really don't have anything. Like, even if you're N3, like, no one will, nobody will care. So, yep. you got to have at least N2, which is a pretty massive leap from N4. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. So, but um, so were you able to look around the the, the testing rooms and say, oh, like that guy's an anime watcher? Up, oh, she watches anime. That guy, no, uh, that guy never. I mean, would watch
1: obviously, anime. some people had you know Ghibli merchandise on or something like that, and some people just you know they they've got that scent to them. That, that a smell. scent. <laughs> like, that Like oh, The smell. anime
0: scent. What, does, no what is the, what is the stench? What is the old day uh, anime shit? <laughs>
1: Listen. Sometimes you just get the feeling, and you're like, "That dude, that dude is in it, in it deep." But I don't know. <laughs> it's 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 always interesting. All
2: right.
1: To like, because when you're walking towards this campus, like this was on a Sunday, like it's not like there's students going here. Everyone going into this building is, you know, here for this one purpose. So you're kind of, as you're walking closer and closer to the building. You're you're looking around the other people walking with you, and you're like, "Are these are these my compatriots? Are these are these me? Is this my company? Is this my people?" And you kind of eye people up. You're walking up the stairs. You're looking at them. You're like, "Oh, wh- wh- what floor is he going to get off on? How how smart is this lad?" You mm-hmm. know, it's just a it's just a communal experience that I think sounds like you want all... to
0: People Watch.
1: Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Mm. And uh, I don't know. Oh well, good. Was, had a good experience. Yeah, yeah. So, and immediately after the test was over, uh, because I wasn't gonna sit around and see like, oh, if they're gonna talk about like re-listening a section or anything. I was just like, I got a podcast to get to. So they already collected our tests, and I just bolted, got in the car, drove home, and then smashed cut later. We did uh, episode 500, and that Boom. was my uh, that was my Sunday last week.
2: You goddamn right, busy
1: Sunday. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. So All when right. do you
0: get your test results back? You said a few months.
1: Um, I think they get hundred years. Like emailed in January, and Jesus. like sent out physically in February.
2: It's such bullshit. It's a freaking scantron. They probably had them rated ten minutes afterwards. So so hold you in suspense, make you suffer. Exactly.
0: All right. Well, Mandy, uh, what are I- these? Cho- what is this? Children of I. Mandy. Mortar. Children of more Actually, children I'll talk about that mortar. one a second, because that one I have a oh. lot to say about. Oh, okay. The other one is just something that I thought was kind of interesting that I just wanted to briefly... Talk about, but there's not really much to say because it's not a game. It's like it, just an experience and uh just like an interactive experience. And I bought it on the iOS, and it's called Mortician's Tale. And on iOS, it's only like two dollars. It's on Steam for like ten. I don't yeah, know why. it's like why. ten bucks on Steam.
2: Box. cheap, cheap,
0: cheap. Why ten dollars? That is ridiculous. <laughs> iOS, it's two dollars, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, this sounds interesting," so I'm gonna try it out. And it's um, by a developer named Laundry Bear Games, and
2: you're saying ten bucks is a, is a lot?
0: That's a lot for this. There, it's not a game. <laughs> like it's. Uh, see everyone's definition of game varies for me there has to be some kind of win and fail state for it to be a game for me because like if you can't fail anything then what's then it's not a game (laughs) like even even visual novels have some kind of you know fail or win state so those i consider video games but this one like it's not a video game it's basically it It runs you through everything, and there's absolutely no way to fail it at all. Like it's just something to experience, to give you like information and something to think about, basically. So uh, yeah, so it's called Mortician's Tale, and it is meant to be. um, And this is gonna sound weird. Give me a second to to explain myself. It's meant to be a (laughs) death positive game. Uh, or experience. So by death positive, I'm, I don't mean like, yay, let's all die. <laughs> I mean like, it's meant to prepare you for that moment because a lot of, there's a lot of mystery about wondering like, what actually happens to you after you die? Like, I don't, I'm, I mean like to your actual physical body and so that's what it's doing is explaining that process and also that to just Uh. kind of give you the information because in our, especially in our society, it's very death is a very taboo topic. Nobody wants to talk about it. So it's giving you all that information of like this is exactly what happens and some other things to think about like different kind, like what do you want to happen to your body after you die? So that's basically what it is. You walk through the game as this woman who is just signed on to a new um, as a new mortician at this um, funeral home and a very small one and you the entire process of each chapter is you go to your computer there are a bunch of emails there's emails from people who work there and there's emails from grieving families and there's emails about just newsletters that are like uh, this new thing came out like people are starting to do um green funerals or green um eco-friendly burials and some information on that and uh then every um chapter there is an email there about a new body that has been brought to the morgue and Uh. so you uh accept the um the email and then you go and you prepare the body for it's for either embalming some people want to be cremated and it walks you through the entire step to let you know this is what happens and wow. then afterwards, you go into the funeral home, and you get to talk to their family members. And it gives you a lot of information about, like, what kind of things you should be respectful of, and, like, you know, when talking to people uh, wow. when who are grieving, and then you pay respects to the dead, and then you go back and do another round of it. It's
1: really odd. It seems so odd. So it's an interactive purple documentary. Basically, like yeah. Like, how, how mm-hmm. to... Okay. That's seems... Yeah. Insightful.
0: Yeah, it was really interesting because, sorry.
2: It seems like the number one source of anxiety for me. Is it? (laughs) I just don't, (laughs) I I don't know. I don't want to think about dying or what happens to my body after I die at all.
0: Yeah, a lot of people don't want to talk about that kind of stuff. But I don't know, for me, it was very interesting because, yeah, nobody talks about it. Nobody knows what happens unless you are in that field, of course, or you're in some kind of medical field, of course. But for other people, we have no idea because nobody wants to talk about it. And there are a lot of things to take into consideration because this is like inevitable. Everybody's going to die. This is not something that you can avoid unless we all become cyborgs.
1: (laughs) Well, it seems like it it spans the gap between your end state and your end end state.
0: Yes, Mm -hmm. yeah,
1: yes, Um,
0: yeah, and there's a (laughs) bunch of different things of like. Uh, just to make you aware like i guess it can come off a little preachy sometimes because it's like banging you over the head with like these certain kind types of burials are really bad for the environment like yeah, formaldehyde yeah. is being poured down like drains and stuff maybe you shouldn't want that like and even cremation like there's different types of cremation and mm-hmm. i i didn't know that i had no idea there are all these different types of way they cremate bodies and like the typical way of um, burning is like really bad on the environment as well but now they're doing like some kind of water uh, thing i can't remember what it's called like there was a whole email on Uh, it i was trying to read it all (laughs) is
1: there is there a dlc to do a viking burial oh my god
0: i wish (laughs) i'm kind of like launch launch
1: launch fire arrows at the (laughs) ship at sea that's what i want please." please exactly
2: I'm going to get my brain put in a robot body. I'll la see lab 2021. Thank you.
0: Yeah. I'll be Motoko Kusanagi.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Please. Please. And thank you very much. Thank you.
0: And just live forever as a cyborg.
2: I'm, I'm going to start my GoFundMe now because I'm going to need about $4 billion to make that happen. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. All
0: right, wow. So yeah, it's well, about like a one hour experience and it's $2. It's oh. If it's something that you are interested in and you want that kind of information, just keep in mind that it's not... Uh, a game like there is no way to fail it. It walks you through all of the entire process of how to prepare a body for embalming, all how to cremate a person, and there are a lot of things in there. I had no idea that that they do. Like I didn't know that when you cremate somebody, it doesn't get rid of the bones, so you have to grind the bones down. <laughs> oh God! I didn't know this. Oh
1: Jesus! I could I, see how they wouldn't want to make this like an actual game where there is a fail. Step, no,
0: no, 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 no. Correct, correct. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it, like, it's it, meant it to be educational. Sense. Yeah.
1: Mandy, is it
2: two dollars yeah. or ten dollars two on ios
0: two on ios oh, steam on it's ten i don't buy it on steam that's dumb <laughs> it's not worth ten dollars
1: <laughs> here's what you do people you take the jlpt you want to die and then you play this game and be like "Eh, i'm okay <laughs> yeah,
0: i'm okay i can wait a few years <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> it might be it might be a decent way for someone to like Deal with a family member dying or something. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of that sure, in there. I'm not sure if you already said that, but like that nope. seems like a good way to like cope with it's something. It's
0: really interesting because you get to talk to a bunch of different types of families. That was one of the more interesting parts of it. There are um, some families that were completely okay. They're like, you know what, our family member was. Um, You know, it, they, we were prepared for this moment and they don't want us to be sad. So we're just going to sit around and share fun stories and memories. And I was like, okay. Then the next one was where, um, everybody hated that family member. (laughs) <laughs> and yeah. they were all kind of angry about it. There was one that, there is one that, about um, suicide, and it actually asks you, are you okay doing this? You can skip this one and we'll give you something else. Oh, so, I see. which is really nice. Um, so, and you can talk about to the family about that and kind of just, and you can email in your computer about, hey, maybe don't say these kind of things to a grieving family member in this situation. That was really like interesting as well like very insightful and then um there was one with a trans um woman that died and then the family wanted them to be uh buried under uh the male um like as their male body and that was really heartbreaking because the funeral home couldn't do anything about it so that was really interesting as well there's a lot of things in there it's like it's also kind of telling you like maybe keep this in mind when you have family members who are dying that maybe you should be respectful to their wishes and right. um there was one about uh, a person who had no family at all and that was really sad because you go in the family into the funeral parlor and it's just an urn nobody's there so you no go and pay there. respects and that was really sad too it was like uh, unclaimed bodies is like you got a whole email on that as well but yeah it's not gonna be for everybody because no a lot of people don't want to talk about this kind of stuff <laughs> yeah but if you're interested in it I thought it was really insightful there was a lot of things in there I was like oh that's really interesting Maybe well, Manny, really quick.
2: Manny, if you'll allow me to jump in, I have a game I want to talk about that is also about dying a lot. Go
0: for it. I have a lot to say about Chernomorta because it's a really yeah. good game.
2: Yeah, this isn't. This game is also really good, but I, I I, don't know that there's a ton to say about it, to be honest, but Valkyria Chronicles 4 is the fourth installment of a, of a long-running franchise. The first one came out in 2008 um, by Sega still a Sega game. The, the the not-so-recently-claimed-to-be-dead Sega is still making great games. And um, it's it's a lot like the... If you've played Valkyrie Chronicles previously, it's a lot of the same sort of theme. In this fourth game, there's a... I don't know why it's always like the Empire that's evil, but it's like the Empire, and then there's the, you know, the Federation or whatever, and there's these two countries, and they're at war. <clears throat> because it seems like Valkyrie Chronicles always has a war setting. And... Um, and the game is it's it's a lot like you would expect from Valkyrie Chronicles. the The battles are sort of turn based strategy where you'll you'll select you, like the most of the most of the gameplay takes place like if like from a bird's eye view of like a tactical map with icons on it that mark where your characters are, and then you will have a certain number of, round, of turns you can take, um, you know, before your opponent gets to go and you'll like you'll select like your your scout and then it'll and then it'll bring you down into like the battlefield and you can see everything and then you'll you'll be able to run a certain amount of distance, <clears throat> fire your gun, throw a grenade, heal, you know, whatever, hide behind a sandbag, whatever it might be. So it's you're very much like tactically moving your pieces around the board, strategizing as you go and and all the pieces excel at something, so there's like the scout that that can move really far but they their attack power is not not all that great it's like average then there's the shock trooper who has unbelievable attack power but can't move nearly as far as the scout maybe a half the distance or maybe even less than half there's the lancer that has even slower has even slower movement than the shock trooper but they have high armor and they carry these weapons that can destroy tanks so they're almost like like infantry that that can destroy tanks then there's two others there's the engineer that has pretty solid movement, but has almost no fighting ability at all. But he can go around the battlefield and do things like disarm mines, repair sandbags, uh, refill people's ammo, heal, um, repair tanks, stuff like that. And then you have the grenadier, which is basically a unit that is slow, a lot like the a lot like the lancer, but um, they'll like stop and push in like put this thing on the ground and they can basically shoot mortars out of their, whatever, whatever they've got. So yeah, you, you have a whole bunch of different tactical units that all excel at something special and interesting in the game. And, um, on top of all that, there's like tanks and, and then like anti-personnel carriers. So you can, you can move your tank around, you can load carry, you can load your fighters into like a, like a, like a, like a sort of a tank and move them for further distances. And, um, it's been really good. I would say the story is not quite as good as the first Valkyria Chronicles. It's a little talky, so like it all takes place from mm. like a story from a storybook sort of layout where um, someone's keeping a diary of the war, and they'll be like they'll put a sticker or whatever in the book, and you'll click it, and it, it'll like play an
1: anime video. You'll like, play out the diary entry essentially.
2: Yeah, like it. It's not really like an animated video, but it'll have sort of like a. I would say more or less like a visual novel style gameplay where like someone will come up and then someone else will come up and they'll talk back and forth. I see. And um and then you'll close that and then another entry will pop up and you'll go to that entry and you'll play that one. And then inevitably every chapter, a, an entry comes up that looks like a map and the map will like, it will be like a map of a battlefield and then you have to do a battle and every chapter has one battle and there's 18 chapters. And on top of that, there's like, skirmishes and training battles and stuff like that so i think i think all told the game's got somewhere around 40 maybe 40 battles in it and the battles average probably a, they're pretty slow moving i mean because it's not meant to be fast it's meant to be like thoughtful yeah. or tactical i'd say mm-hmm. the battles take about 15 to 15 to 25 to 30 minutes a piece uh, a really long battle maybe might take closer to an hour so like the mm-hmm. gameplay is the gameplay length is there we, we've been we've been chipping away at it for a while now i'm really on chapter five so and um, one of the things i'm enjoying the most about the game is if you suck at a mission the first time like they'll give you a rank like you get a d or a c or whatever one of the trophies is get an a on every battle so i'm kind of going back and cleaning up the battles and getting all getting an a on all of them which is mostly as, like,
1: as you get better at the game or just as you just yeah, can, well, can you go back with like the forces and skills you've amassed or like do you level up your characters yep, or is yep. it just like it's pretty can you in- take those back with you it's pretty in-depth
2: actually so there's okay. um there's like every class again can, can get leveled up to level 30 so there's there's a lot of leveling involved there are um like you can do research and development to develop new weapons you, you can upgrade your tanks like armor plating or whatever um so pretty you, you can you can uniquely equip every every single f- like fighter in your in your group and develop weapons for every class and etc cetera, etc. Cetera. There's also like orders and commands that you can give so you can you can like you can order your, your your entire platoon to be like, you know, to have a specific type of marching order like you know, move carefully or whatever or you can or you can order people to like follow a specific unit. So there's a lot of orders you can learn and 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 take advantage of in the game. It's pretty good. Um there's one drawback I would and the re, and the reviews online for Valkyrie Chronicles have always been good. You know, it's always they're they're always pushing around like 80 this one's got an 87
1: yeah it looks like it's all in the mid 80s on wikipedia yeah it's
2: yeah it's been pretty consistent since the since, since it first started it's just a good game franchise if there's one thing if there's a if there's anything i can say about it that right now at this point that's not as good is that the first valkyrie chronicles was made into an anime and it had really great characters in it if you if you haven't seen the anime i played the game you maybe have even seen the character the main girl has like this really pretty like red ribbon she wears in her hair and she's she's very recognizable the characters in this game aren't they're not grabbing me quite as much as the first game that i played um and so it makes some of the cutscenes a little like who gives a shit you know i would say because i mean i'm only like 20 less than 30 percent of the way through it so maybe they'll grow on me but at this point i'm kind of like well who gives a damn
1: you know, I assume uh, you don't need to have watched the anime or played the previous games or read the manga to get what's going on in 4, yeah, or it's, do you know?
2: It's totally unique. They're not connected okay. at all. Um, gotcha. I assume that the Valkyria-like thing will come up. Like If, if you played the first Valkyria Chronicles, I don't know if you guys have, but there's a point nope. in, the, in the first game where you investigate these ruins where this like ancient machine technology is found and they end up using it. So it ends up like transitioning into a sci-fi element because there's... They start to like utilize this old technology to fight fight in the war. And there's characters.
1: Is, is this just Noshka, the anime, or the video game?
2: <laughs> uh, it's not nearly that cool. Let's not get carried away. <laughs> okay, okay, just it. <laughs> yeah, but like I don't know. Um, if, if you look it up, you like there were characters in the first Valkyrie Chronicles where like they had they almost had like superpowers because they were born from a lineage that was able to utilize these these powers. I'm assuming that's going to pop up at some point in this game, but you should, but in the first game it didn't show up until like the last half or the last like third, so I, I, I think it'll be a while, but it's been a lot of fun so far. Um, you know, the, the other drawback to the game is that the AI kind of sucks, so like there was a mission where um, I needed to get all the way across this huge battlefield, and it was just riddled with enemies and landmines and tanks and machine turrets, and it was just ridiculous, and... Um, there was a section where I basically, there were five enemy tanks and they were all pointed the same direction. And I was able to kind of drive my APC like at the bottom of all of them and kind of stay out of their field of vision and just drive around all of them. And none of them saw me. And I was able to just go to the top of the map and steal, and capture the enemy flag. And I was like, this shit would never happen. These tanks would definitely see me. Someone would shoot me. I would never survive. But like, no one was there. Just n- nobody saw me. Nobody was looking. And so it was like, you know, the AI, you can kind of abuse the AI a little bit by just, you know, cheesing it a little bit, I guess, but it's been good. I think that if you're, I, I, I got this game originally because I would needed, I, I'm on, I'm still on this, I'm still on the strategy RPG kick and um, there just aren't many of them on PlayStation or really at all anymore, it seems like. So if you're a strategy, if you're a strategy lover and you love turn-based strategy and RPGs, this game will probably way appeal to you a lot. It's um, and it doesn't. You don't have to be a fan of anime to enjoy it. So
0: my hmm. spiel. Pretty good. Pretty,
2: pretty, 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 pretty good.
0: <laughs> I played Valkyria Chronicles on Steam. I never finished it though. It was very talky.
2: <laughs> yeah, this one is too. You know, it's like they 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 deliver the story not through the not through the battling, but through you know in between the battles like. You know, if you're playing Final Fantasy Seven or something, the story gets told while you're fighting a lot of the time. And so you're kinda of, it's kind of simultaneous. But in this game, you're like either fighting or you're not. Or you're now, let me
0: know if, the, if your four is the same way, but something that irritated me about the first one, I think it's the main reason why I never finished it, I could not stand the border of the game. Because it does like border? this, like... Yeah, the border was all faded. So it kind of looked like the game in the middle was sort of... I think it was supposed to look watercolored on, but like the border, like it had this white faded border, and it just germy. Oh, nuts.
2: like of the on the on the on the map or on like yeah, the gameplay? just
0: all the game. The entire gameplay was like that. I'll,
2: I'll, look, I'll look at that. I don't know that I really was. was it's was one of those things. Like unless you're looking for it, you don't even notice it. But I'll. Mm. I mean, I'm guessing it wasn't there because it wasn't pissing me off. But I'll. Uh, I'll check. I'll check, and we'll find out.
0: Here, I got. So, I got I, a I, screenshot. I can show you.
2: I want to say no because you know i think that i would probably notice that and remember it but
1: while uh while mandy posts this it seems nuts because they came out with the first one in 2008 the second one in 2010 the third one in 2011 uh chronicles d like the year after looks like they just like had a bunch of the four games come out in like five years like they really loaded them up and then there was a bit of a six seven year break before now the fourth one came out
2: oh yeah man he totally still has that border yeah.
0: oh okay i was just curious one, yeah
2: oh yeah definitely <laughs> that
0: kind yep. of drove me nuts it's, st- it's <laughs> still
1: there it's
2: still there it's just mm-hmm. part of the aesthetic of it i guess so it's 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 essentially the same game if you like the first one you'll love this one you know mm-hmm. so you're playing it for the battling and not for the not for the the, the meager story or whatever so all right, Mandy, this game, Children, it? Children of Morta.
0: Oh, Children of Morta, You've yes. been typing it
2: up for so long. Which sounds God like it. more Rated death. Hair.
0: I just bought this game um, on sale during Black Friday, and man, I'm loving it so far. So Children of Morta is a dungeon-crawling action RPG game with some roguelite aspects to it, and um, it has a very heavy emphasis on story and family, and it was... Uh, developed by Dead Mage Studios and it was kickstarted and the kickstarter earned $108,000 which is actually pretty low but it's a but it was just a little indie game and um, you play as this family called the Bergsons and they have been watching over this uh, like mystical mountain called Mount Morta for generations and but now there's this corruption spreading through the mountain, twisting off, like, the beasts and, uh, like, spawning monsters, and so the whole family is on this journey to reach the god that resides within this mountain and find out what is causing this awful corruption. And, um, there are two different areas where you get to, like, swap back and forth, that you get to, like, swap back and forth between, so you swap between, like, the Bergson's home and the dungeons, and, uh, the dungeons are where, like, the meat of the gameplay is. So when you go into dungeons, they're like a mix of action RPG and roguelite, hack and slash. And, um, but what's interesting is you don't play as a single character. You are leveling up the entire family. And so when you go oh, into cool. a dungeon, you, you, when you do go in the dungeon, you get to choose one family member to play as. And then there is some local co-op play where you could play, um, a friend can play another family member. But right now they said that they're working on online co-op, but it's going to be for future updates. I said it's not ready yet. But um, so, yeah, each member has like a different play style to them. So you have the father who's named John. He has a typical like sword and shield type. And there's the older sister, Linda, who is like the ranger. And then you have uh, the younger brother named Kevin, who is like a dagger wielding rogue. And they're very kind of typical classes of rpgs <laughs> like the older brother mark is a martial artist monk he fights like hand to hand and uh
1: did you just play as linda the whole time
0: as much as it would let me <laughs> 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 she is my highest level one yeah and then uh you play as the little sister lucy who's a fire wielding mage and there is another character i haven't unlocked him yet i don't know who he is i just see a shadow there when i choose family members but um yeah, and each family member has their own way of fighting, their own skill tree, and all of their levels are independent, but the game does encourage encourages you to level them all up, so at um, a certain part in the game, it will start introducing fatigue, and if you go into the dungeon, like like I was playing Linda for so long, and when I tried to go back in the next night, she had fatigue, and so I had a lower health pool, so that way it's like... Oh, that's interesting telling you like you should really level them all up and um each of their skill trees uh, like when you go down each of their skill trees it'll lock additional perks and skills that they can use um for each individual family member, but it also has skills that improve the entire family. So, like, for example, Linda, um, her second tier of skills, when I got so many in the first tier, and you go up to the second tier, it unlocks a speed boost for the entire family. And then, like Kevin's in that second tier, it increases a higher crit chance for the entire family. And so that it encourages you to use the entire family and not just focus on a single person, because that's, like the it's it has a strong emphasis on family in this game and um when you go back home there's a workshop run by the uncle and if you give him money from the dungeon you can craft armor and weapons and they buff the entire family not just one person and so um every time you go into a dungeon the levels are randomly generated they're like um get kind of like roguelite elements coming into play and uh, each uh, area of the dungeon is broke up into different levels but the boss at the end of each um, area is always the same so if you like finish an area um, so like to finish an area you have to like uh, progress up to the boss and then defeat it and then you can move to the next area but um, this game also doesn't have any permadeath function um, but death does oh, play nice. a huge. Part in it because when you go into these dungeons expecting um you expect to die many times because uh as you, you have to like level up the entire family together to progress. And um the grandmother of the family who doesn't fight, she um creates a seal that will pull you back to the house once you're on the brink of death. And so um, the combat is a little challenging, but the death, death function never feels frustrating and the reason for that is because it has such a heavy emphasis on story. So every time you die, you return home, you get a new movie scene and, or cutscene about the family and their bonding. And the mother of the family, who also doesn't fight because she's currently very pregnant, <laughs> but uh, she, she works hard to keep the family together. And there's a lot of scenes of like her interacting with her children, with her husband and uh, the father and your uncle bonding together. And it's, um, I don't know. And there's a great narrator as well. So every time I die, I didn't feel upset. I was like, oh, cool. I wonder what scene I'll get next. So it's not a frustrating game at all. But
1: every time you die, you go home and you play Children of Mortician.
0: Yeah. Mortician's (laughs) Day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Awful. (laughs) Very funny. um, I did mention that you unlock skills as you progress and level up with family, but um, you do also find random, like, runes and items in the dungeons that will boost your combat abilities. Some may increase, like, just attack power or speed, but there are some that will create, like, little fireballs that will automatically attack enemies near you, but, um, and there are some that will, like, actually spawn things, like a totem pole that will push enemies away or a dragon that will attack enemies. It's, like, they're completely random, so... Uh, and they disappear whenever you die, so every run just feels different, like, you're always getting something new and different, and feels fresh, so it, yeah, it's not, I never felt frustrated, like, oh man, I've just been banging my head against this one boss, and I feel like I'm not getting anywhere. I always feel like I'm getting something different, because, you know, I run through one level, I have all these different items, and then I die, and I go in with somebody else, it's a completely different experience, it's just really interesting, but, um... You also run into a bunch of random stories and quests that you can encounter while you're in there. So, like, you can find, like... um, It's it's so completely random. Every run feels different. So sometimes you'll encounter a group of people who are trapped in the cave and require assistance. There's once I found a wolf pup that was trying to keep monsters off of its dead mother. And after you kill the monsters, you adopt the baby wolf into the family. But the baby wolf is inflicted with corruption, so you have to go back into the dungeon to find herbs that will heal him. And after you do all that, you have a new family member, which is a little wolf pup. And then um, there's some rooms with puzzles where if you win it'll give you an item, if you fail, it sends enemies after you. (laughs) And there are some that are very sad scenes. Like I found one with um, that just like just to flesh out how awful the corruption in this mountain is. Like I found one with a child that was surrounded by the dead bodies of its family and had to escort him out of the mountain. Yeah, it, it can get really right. dark at times. but What um, is with you,
2: Mandy, today in these dark
1: games?
0: I can't help it. It's just, <laughs> just, have, it's yeah, just, it's just who I have.
1: am. <laughs> it's just how it'd be. It's just how it so be sometimes. Is there sometimes. much of like, uh, like a loot pickup kind of thing, or is it more just you get currency and you spend that when you... Get just to currency. Quote, unquote, base. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You okay.
0: don't keep any item. Anything that you find, it'll put, like, a buff on you or, like, an additional skill. So, like, if I get, like, the totem pole that pushes enemies back, now I have a thing, like, a button I can use my Q button for. And yeah. then for that run. For that I, run, Yeah, I was yes. just
1: trying to see, when you said roguelite, I'm like, what elements are... There and yeah, that seems much more in line with
0: Yeah that mm-hmm.
1: style. Okay. Nice.
0: Um as for the art style, it is pixel graphics. Uh so like the family members do kinda look like they're from like the Atari era. <laughs> but the backgrounds oh. are gorgeous. Well, they well, just mean it's um, gonna
2: hold up really well.
0: Yes. The pixel like yeah, the pixel, the the backgrounds are even pixel graphics, but they're all laid out in a way so where it's filled with so many details, like little rocks and plants and just little items that are discarded in the dungeons, and there's some hand-painted elements in the backgrounds, too. It just, it looks gorgeous. I'm loving it so much so far, and I can't wait, I like, every day I'm like, I can't wait to go home and play it.
2: <laughs> Isn't that a great nice. thing to look forward to? You're like, oh, I want yeah. to go home and play this game.
1: So for the price you got it at... Oh yeah, worth, How much was that? Uh, it sounds like it's worth it, but for the non-sale price. Oh,
0: what is the non-sale price? I forgot. Um,
1: uh, it looks like it's. I mean, it says thirty-five dollars physical. But that physical. Just be oh, the, I bet
0: it's on the Switch. I didn't even think about yeah,
1: that. Th- that's what that's. I guess that's what I would get it for. Do you think it would play well on the Switch? On, thirty-five. Oh
0: yeah, Switch. it would definitely be a good Switch game. Yeah. Um, okay. Sorry, I was looking at the store page on Steam to see. So it's like. 2199 right now on Steam. Gotcha.
1: And that's what it is digitally on the Switch.
2: And and on PlayStation. Wow. For once wow. in the history of the world, the PlayStation is the same price. Yes. As for Steam. around
0: twenty for sure. I bought it at fifteen or thirteen, I can't remember. And it was like i I'm, I'm loving it so much so far. So yeah, I'd say it's worth it.
1: Cool. Well, hmm. people,
2: there you have Mandy, it. Mandy's continued efforts to Guarantee that I have at least 17 games in my backlog at the time that Cyberpunk <laughs> comes out.
0: Oh man, when is Cyberpunk? That's soon. I
2: think it comes out in March, I think.
0: Oof, I need to get prepared and for if, that.
2: And then the Final Fantasy VII remake comes out right on top of it. So, great. <laughs> yeah. There goes there goes everything else that I, you know, that I had in my life.
1: Okay. Well, I'm just glad that none of these games look appealing for me. So I am safe once again. You're not interested in show Namurta.
0: It's really good.
1: Uh, it looks Mason's like F-less. too much like uh, Enter the Gungeon and uh I don't know. I, I got the concept. It's just I'm not telling, my kind of it's real good. And by that I mean more than ten dollars. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh Mason. Fine.
1: <laughs> but uh no, no, it does look cool. It does look cool. I'm looking at snow just shoes right me.
2: now. I'm trying to figure out how I can get a pair of snow shoes without breaking my bank. <laughs>
0: so
1: yeah. Uh, uh, get two tennis rackets. That's what that's I mean. What, that's uh, what cartoons that have told cartoons me. cartoons have. To, yeah, exactly. That's that what I've learned. Isn't gonna work. <laughs> it's not gonna work. Not with that attitude. It won't.
0: No, that attitude. <laughs> yeah, well, Bugs Bunny yeah. has never steered me wrong.
1: <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> when you're when you're climbing a when when you're when you're Mason, you know this. When you're up on a fourteener at like at at those altitudes, and there's and the ground is covered in snow, you can't be you can't be effing around. You're gonna fall off a cliff and die
1: true but you those, gotta be, you gotta be. those space age tennis records are so light you know <laughs> you, you won't be lacking you know
2: what this is madness <laughs> this is madness okay well a lot of good games guys you know I, I mean I think we talked a lot of good stuff here children of morta we talked valkyrie chronicles if, if you want to play that uh, what was it the mortician's tale mm-hmm. if you want to yeah. play the game called the JLPT we have you know <laughs> you, can, you, can, you can go do that but <laughs> y- you might feel some pain you know you might, you might. What is the JP the GLPT cost? What like fifty bucks to register for it now? Um, it's fifty or sixty bucks. Yeah, it's not that bad. So no, it's not terrible. If you were taking like the LSAT or the GMAT, it's like three hundred bucks. So, mm-hmm. so fifty bucks is not much. All right, well, guys, we have to do a podcast right about now. So, but let's get to it. If you guys haven't picked up the member RSS feed from the website yet, for the love of God, <laughs> go get it. It'll make your life so much easier. Um, <laughs> people are definitely using it, though, because I can see the download numbers. And um, Oh, excellent. So head over to the website on the top bar. You can get the member RSS. You can listen to this on your favorite podcast mobile app. So make sure you take advantage of that. And we'll see you next time on Hobby Addicts. Take care. Bye, guys. See you, everyone. Bye. <laughs>